Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, I'm here with Donald. Hello. Today we are discussing the third commandment about taking the Lord's name in vain. But we're also going to weave in there a discussion where we answer the question, should the church tell you how to vote? Here is our conversation. So Donald, we're doing this little session on the Ten Commandments. Many people have questions about them. Are they restrictive rules? Are they there to stop us having any fun and enjoying ourselves? Or are they there to kind of put a boundary, but a framework in place that brings life, that brings enjoyment and fulfillment? And we're kind of exploring that. And before we get into the third commandment, uh, we talked last week about how there was a YouGov poll and they asked the, the population, do you think the Ten Commandments are still relevant today? Well, they also asked a lot of young people, if you could rewrite the Ten Commandments, what would they look like? And so they did. And so I've got a few examples of those because I think it's really interesting. You know, people have this perception that, oh, Christianity cannot do this, you cannot do that. Young people, given a pen and paper, probably a key, keypad, to be honest, because I'm mm. a little bit old school. This is what they said. So... Don't snog the wrong person. And if you do, don't try and cover it up with a super injunction. It will never work and doesn't help anyone. With a it, super injunction? Super injunction, yeah. <laughs> uh, it will never work and doesn't help anyone except the newspapers. So that's kind of linked into one of the Ten Commandments yeah, that do we not commit already adultery. had. Do not commit yeah, adultery. Yeah, I'll go with that. Do not idolise people or worship celebrities. Be your own person. Yeah, Talked good. about that last yeah. week. yeah. A key one for them was about the energy and the environment. Don't build nuclear power stations in places that might have earthquakes or tsunamis. Don't leave the bathroom light on. The world's running out of power. That kind of links into the first instruction God ever gives, which is to yes. look after the planet. Absolutely. Okay, technology. Technology is very useful, but not to be worshipped. Do not discriminate against anyone, whether it is in person or in cyberspace. Thou shalt not cyber bully mm -hmm. and then they've got another one rich countries should not give money and support to poorer countries should not oh should yeah oh. sorry yeah they should <laughs> rich countries should give money and support to poorer countries now they use slightly different language to the language which the bible uses and, and they're slightly more specific mm. in the things that they're targeting and we listen to those and we think they're great sometimes we can get a little bit bogged down with the ten commandments they can seem quite cumbersome and boring and prehistoric and prohibitive. Just remind us again, what are the Ten Commandments really all about? What is the point of them? The principle is love. The principle is how we create a society and a community that is safe and loving and a reflection of, of heaven, of what God wants, what the kingdom of God looks like. So it's all about what makes humanity tick the best what's good for us so that's uh, jesus sums it all up is love god love your neighbor and that's basically it and both of those things are really good for humanity so it's not about being restrictive it's no. not about god being a killjoy saying oh you can't do all the fun things in this world it's god saying i've created you to enjoy the fun things mm -hmm. do them in the right way and protect yourself from the things that yeah. will cause hurt and damage yeah so a lot of people have just got it into their minds, slightly skewed what the Ten Commandments are all about. And sometimes it's because of the language that is used. And if we go into the third commandment, sometimes it can be a little bit confusing. So the third commandment, and we find these in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. in the book of Exodus, mm -hmm. chapter 20, verse 7. And it says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. 
For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So what does it mean to misuse the name of God? Because for some people, their initial thought, well, that's simple. I can't, I can't use Jesus as a swear word or oh my God as a... Mm-hmm. And they think, well, that's it. Well, that's not a terribly exciting commandment, is it? Mm-hmm. What is he talking about? Well, that latter application is a small part of it, and we can come back to that. But there's a much more bigger application. The first thing to say is the name of God is not like my name, Donald, or your name, Kath. It's not a word. The name of God in the Bible is always the reputation, the character, the personality of God. So it's about not misusing the character of God. And the original primary application has come round, I think, to be really, really relevant in our world right now, and particularly in what we see going on in America. So the original application was that people would uh, swear by God. In other words, they would say something like, I, I promise you this is true, or God will strike me dead. Yep. And that was a very common practice in history for many generations, and is, is less common in that clear way today. But the idea was that you would use God to reinforce what you were saying. You would give authority to what, or weight to what mm-hmm. you were saying to make people believe you mm-hmm. or obey you or agree you, with you. So to, mi- uh, so to misuse God's name was to take his reputation and says, God is supporting this. God is saying this. Normally, God is agreeing with me that I'm right, therefore you must agree with me. Uh, Jesus picks it up, and, and when he talks to the, uh, to the crowd on the, ten, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't swear by anything, just say yes or no. Mm-hmm. Let your word be enough. Mm. Uh, and it's very clear that this commandment is really important, that we are not to use God for our own aims or to justify our own opinions or to get people to do what we want them to do. So a very common thing that happens in Christianity, sadly, is where people will say, this is what God is saying. And when they go beyond what the Bible is saying to what they think God might be saying or they feel God might be saying, And when they remove the concept of weighing or testing or thinking or feeling it and they make it dogmatic and effectively manipulative, I believe it's breaking this commandment uh, because it's it's deciding what God thinks and wants. So an example might be, I could say to you, it's God's will for you to love your neighbour. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fine. The Bible says that. I'm, all I'm doing is quoting what the Bible says. If I say to you, it's God's will for you to make your neighbour a cup of tea, I've gone beyond scripture into how I think it needs to be applied. I've decided what I think it, needs, it, it looks like for you. Now, if I say to you, God says you need to make your neighbour a cup of tea, I am coercing you. I'm, I'm removing from you the sense of you understanding whether it's God's will or not. I'm making you, if you like, uh, dependent on me telling you what God's will is. Now, that might be quite harmless with a cup of tea. Should rather a G&T, probably. Probably. It, that could be quite harmless. But if I say to you, it's God's will that you give your neighbour £10,000 because that's loving them, 
that could be quite detrimental to you. That becomes possibly abusive, particularly abusive if I am your neighbour <laughs> and I'm telling you what God's will is for you to do. And for many people, it feels quite scary to go against that and to say, well, I don't think it is God's will, especially when it sounds kind of like it might be in the right ballpark. So the big problem is it's abusive. The second problem is, actually, we know that since we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit coming about Pentecost, that since God has placed his Holy Spirit within each of us, he wants a relationship with each of us. He wants you to sense what God is asking you to do. He doesn't want you to have a relationship with him through me. He doesn't need you and need me to tell you what to do. So, there are, so there's, there's two big reasons. It's, it can be abusive and manipulative, and it can rob people of a real relationship with God, where they just think, I need the church leader, or I need this more holy person, I need this prophet to tell me what to do. Now, in our church, we'll often say things like, I'm, I think God may be saying this, I feel this, and we just put it out there for people to, uh, to weigh, to think about. But we have to do that in such a way that we give people the absolute freedom. So I don't think he's saying that at all. And I think there are times, even in our own church, where we get near to, to breaking this commandment where we are using God's name. The old translations, which some of us may be familiar with, says to take God's name in vain. And that actually is quite a helpful phrase. It means I'm using the name of God for a reason. And the reason is I want you to do what I say. And that's very damaging if I start to say this is the way you should vote because God's telling me this is the way you should vote. We're going to come back to voting in a second. Yeah. But, but just to clarify and crystallise this point, there are some times that God does speak to us through other people. So there are some times that God would uh, say to me, um, would you just share this passage of scripture with somebody else? And I'd weigh and test it and would perhaps say, I kind of think God might be saying this. That's okay to do. We're not taking God's name in vain. Uh, God still speaks through other people, pictures, dreams, words. The, the problem comes when I say God is saying because yeah. I'm fallible. Yeah. I may have got that wrong. Yeah. So for me to think I know everything that God is saying, I'm a little bit arrogant and I, I, I can't because I'll get that wrong. So, so it's okay to have a word for somebody else. It's okay for somebody else to have a word for us. The, it's the nuance of God might be saying this. You go, you test it. You see whether you feel that is right for you. Yeah. I mean, personally, I personally wouldn't bring God into it at all. I, I would say, I just think this scripture might be helpful for you. Sorry? That's good to hear from a minister. <laughs> <laughs> because my view is that if God is speaking through me, mm -hmm. something will go on in their heart yep. and they'll know it. Yep. So every week I'm speaking from what I think scripture is saying. I do that because I think God has given me those words. Yep. But a lot of times I'll have put a, little, a lot of humanity in and I've got things wrong. But I don't need to say... This is God speaking. If it's God, something in the, the listener goes, oh, that really applies to me. That's really helpful. So personally, I wouldn't say I, God's given me this scripture or God's given me this. I know other, other people do, and that's, it's sometimes just the way we use language and it's sometimes the way we've been brought up and sometimes it's the things, the Christians that we've 
learned from. Uh, but I would tend to move away and let, let God do what God does and I'll do what I'm supposed to do. My job is being to respond to the prompt in my mind to share that scripture. If it's of God, it will really resonate with that person. I don't need to risk manipulating it, if that makes sense, personally. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but for me personally, I wouldn't say I think God is saying this. I'll just say, here's a scripture. I thought it might be good to share it with you. I just feel like sharing this scripture with you, and I will often do that with folks. I'll just say, this scripture comes to mind. This is in my thoughts, and I'll just read it. I think it ups the ante when you say, this is God's word for you, yeah. or I feel this is God speaking. Yeah particularly from a Christian minister or mm. someone in a prominent place in Christianity. Yeah. So if you're sitting listening to a sermon uh, and the preacher, I believe the Lord is saying this to you today, yeah. you, you kind of sit, sit upright, you, yeah. you listen a little bit, oh, oh God, he's got this, this, this word from God. Now, it may well be God speaking and they may not be in, intentionally doing the wrong thing. Mm. It might just be their turn of phrase, but if we look at America, let's go to the whole voting thing. Let's go there. One of the interesting things that we've seen is a divide in the church leaders, the Christian church leaders in America. So there was a whole swathe of church leaders that came out and uh, didn't just say gently to vote for one party or another. They were very, very strong in saying, we believe this is what God is saying. There was even some uh, church ministers who would say they'd had prophetic words, that God had spoken to them about Donald Trump becoming president again, and uh, they reiterated that on a number of occasions. Lots of them signed uh, pledges, and it was a massive thing in the church in America. And then there was a whole other half of them that said, actually, we don't believe that at all. Talk us through some of that because it's been quite chaotic and quite destructive, I think, to the church in America, let alone everything else that is going on in America. When these church leaders have stood up and have said, this is how you should vote because we believe this is God's right man, mm. what do you say to that in the light of this? I think, I think just to forecome there, <laughs> just I think one of the problems is that the, 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 the biblical prophets particularly yep. in the Old Testament, they do say this, thus says the Lord. Yep. And I do want to draw a distinction between Scripture that has been attested and uh, put together by the Holy Spirit through the church. Yep. And the language of the Word of God is different from the language that I use. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people simply say the Lord says this or the Lord says that because they're just copying what they see in the, in the Bible. The problem is that the next words they're saying are not scripture. Yeah. The next words they're saying are their words. Now, if I'm quoting scripture, it's, it's fine to say God yeah. says, you know, God does say, love your neighbor. God yeah. says, do not misuse my name. I'm happy to say that. So, so let, I can understand how the church has got into it a little bit and how they've used that language. And I would say that in the past, I've been influenced and, and I can't say that I've never done it. But I think what's gone on in America has highlighted for me and reinforced why this command is so strong. It's a really powerful, strong, do not take my name in vain. Do not misuse. Do not mm. say, I stand for something mm. that you don't know for sure 
that I stand for because it isn't clear mm. in Scripture. So the American situation is very, very complicated. And I, there are people who would understand things far better than me. There are some policies of the Republican Party that many Christians feel are important and yeah. good policies. And I understand that. And some of that I would agree with. I would say they are good and important policies. My problem is that, and the same applies in the UK, every party has good policies. And at the end of the day, when we vote, we decide which policies are priority over other policies. Mm -hmm. um, the American church, it would appear in the main, has singled out two particular policies as being more important than anything else. And the one is the care for the unborn child uh, and the priority of addressing uh, an expansion or of abortion. And that would probably be a, a view that the majority of Christians around the world would, would to some extent sympathize with. The second policy that they think is very, very important is the support of the nation of Israel. Now, that's a little bit more controversial. Sorry, my microphone's flicking off my ear. There we go. Um, I think that every Christian feels that it's clear that God loves every nation and that God's hand has been on the nation of Israel to one degree or another. It's also very clear from the Old Testament that one of the problems Israel got into repeatedly and caused it to lose its land mm. was its lack of care for the vulnerable and mm. often signaled, singled, sing, singled out yep. the foreigner and the alien, the non-Jew who lived among them. So that becomes controversial right now, and I don't want to go down that road too much. Other than to say it is open for debate as to how much the current nation of Israel is caring for those who are not Jewish, who live in the land that they live in. Yep. So the American, a section of the American church has taken those two views and said that uh, outweighs every other view. And therefore, as a Christian, you must vote for the Republican Party. And the leader of the Republican Party is Donald Trump. The problem for me is that there are other policies that I might set against that uh, that come from the Bible. I think that, uh, personally, the care for the vulnerable and the poor means that I would be very hard, find it very hard to vote for a party that was opposing free health care for people. Mm. I would also find it very difficult personally to vote for a party that encouraged or supported people to carry guns because the Bible talks about being blessed are the peacemakers. I'm not American and I don't carry a vote, and, but I would weigh those issues up against each other. And I certainly don't feel comfortable that I can say it is God's will to come down on one side as opposed to the other. I don't think that is something I'm sufficiently sure of, but I'm pretty certain I don't think God actually wants me to manipulate people in that way. 
because I think that's taking the Lord's name in vain. So I think for any church leader to declare that one political party, whether it's Labour or Conservative or Lib Dems or Scottish Nationalist or Plaid Cymru um, or the Green Party or, or whatever it is, for one to declare that party is the party that you as members of my church should vote for, I think really runs the risk of breaking this command because you're taking God's name and saying this is what you should do and going beyond what the Bible says. Um, so unfortunately it causes a backlash because it then causes other Christians to say no, it's God's will not to vote Republican. And so you get in this mess where Christians are saying one thing or the other thing and both trying to... De- to carry God as the reason. And I think that's why God says, do not misuse my name. Don't take it in vain. If you let your yes be yes and you know be no. If you want to say that you support Donald Trump, support Donald Trump. If you want to say that you vote Republican, vote Republican. If you want to say that you vote Democrat, say you vote Democrat. But don't say it's me that it's my will. Because, well, he says... Uh, I will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses my name. It's an incredibly strong thing. Incredibly strong thing. And you kind of think when you initially look at it, what's that doing on on the end of this commandment? It's just just a little commandment. But when when you're talking like that, you realise the impact that those words have and the influence. So I've never told our church how to vote. uh, And I've never really declared how I voted. And to it's quite be honest, obvious how you vote. I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I have, uh, I have voted for different parties over, over my lifetime. Yep. Because I don't think any one party has a monopoly on, on the mm-hmm. right policies. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing that I want to say, which is perhaps even more hard, hard to say, is that I think the, quali- the character of a leader is very, very important. And as I look at the way the Bible describes leadership, there's a passage in Ezekiel 34, which I quote a lot, which is one of my most significant passages, which begins with a very strong attack on the Mm -hmm. secular leadership uh, Mm -hmm. of of that nation at the time. And uh, if I just quote, it's Ezekiel 34, verse 1. It says, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. That's the leaders of Israel, not the people looked after the sheep. This is what the sovereign Lord says to you. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with wool and slaughter choice animals, but you do not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. And for me, that means that that people who lead a nation should be there on behalf of the vulnerable, which is spelled out as the sick here and Mm -hmm. and definitely includes the sick, Mm -hmm. the weak. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks a lot about the widow and the orphan and the foreigner within your midst. And those are two groups that are repeatedly referred to as that Israel was being, uh, was losing God's presence because they didn't care for the, the widow or the orphan, or because they didn't care for the foreigner in their midst. 
So any political party and any leader has to be focused on the needs of the most vulnerable, in my view, in order to not have the same charge that's levelled against them. Which is one of the reasons why I would find it difficult to support a party that opposed free healthcare, because we are supposed to care for the vulnerable and the weak and the injured. We're supposed to bring healing and bind up the wounds. We're not supposed to put it beyond the reach of people uh, who have financial difficulty. Mm. Um, and we're not supposed to allow the strong to carry guns that intimidates and mm. affect, affects the weak. But if we go to the New Testament, mm. the quality... I keep nodding my head, that makes my microphone fall off. <laughs> if we go to the New Testament, and again, it's, it's a little bit about the church, but it's still about leadership. There's a yeah. passage in Timothy where he, uh, Paul says, this is what you look for in a leader. And these are the qualities that you are to have. And um, I thought I had it with me, but I haven't. I can read it if you'd like it. Uh, yes, read it for it me. It says, 1 Timothy 3, uh, starting at verse 2. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Yeah, I think that that list, and it's, it's worth having in, in front of you, it's very difficult to say of our current leaders Any of anywhere, <laughs> this must be, they must be God's person because there are lots of ways in which it's clear that they've fallen short. Just, and, and at the end of the day, you vote for the least bad sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes there isn't a perfect leader that's on mm. the, on the boat voting ballot. Mm. But it then, it does really become difficult for me to say this leader is God's person if that description, not violent, not gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, faithful to their wife, self-controlled, if that doesn't really match what you see in the leader, you might say, I still have to vote because it's better than something else. But I, I cannot see how you can say that is God's person. And perhaps I'll leave it there. I think it's really interesting. And, and it's made me think of a, a, another way I think that we've seen this happen in Christianity. I was thinking of maybe some of the uh, TV um, Christianity uh, preachers and some of the more prominent American preachers that will say, if you donate X amount of money, yeah. then you will be healed. That's exactly the same thing, isn't it? You are, yep. you are saying God's going to do something. Yep. We talked about healing. We did a whole session on it. But it's not just in politics that we see this. I think we see it, sadly, across lots of areas of life. Yep. And some people have been very hurt by Christians that have um, told them things that have been unhelpful, that have been untrue, that have hurt and damaged them. Some have walked away from the faith. Some have recovered and have got the right perspective with help and with, with prayer. But it's incredibly damaging. Mm. It's incredibly unhelpful. And it's never to the benefit of the person that it's been spoken mm. to. It's mm. never about their needs. What do they want? What's best for them? It's about either 
somebody else, getting it wrong, somebody else abusing their power, somebody else getting rich. And you see that a lot. I mean, I know there's some, some great televangelists in America that are multimillionaires. Mm. And they will say, I prayed to the Lord. I know of one that said this. I prayed to the Lord. The jet that I had, I felt was getting a bit old. Uh, and I wondered whether the Lord would bless me with another one. And so all these people gave this money. The Lord has said I should have a new jet. Would you give money to it? The Lord did not say that. The Lord, I don't think, the Lord that I know and believe and worship would say, actually, if you get all that money, give it to the poor. Mm. Don't you dare buy another flipping jet. It really annoyed me, so mm. we maybe we need to stop on that as well. But there is this sense of injustice. How mm. could you say that that is in line with God's heart mm. when you talk about the poor, the sick, the bereaved, the orphan? God's heart is for all of these people. Now, I know that there are uh, folks that have asked various questions. Uh, and so um, David Drew asked a question via Twitter, interestingly. It's a social media platform. Okay. Just to fill you in, because I know you're very savvy with these things. So um, his question is, why do evangelical Christians continue to support Trump? In spite of everything that you've said, just explain what an evangelical Christian is to start with. Yeah, it's a word I would have called myself that I no longer feel able to use. Okay. Because it, to the world, it, it means something different to what I, I thought it meant and how I use it. It's a word simply that used to describe people who uh, took the Bible as their authority. Uh, but it's now being used to describe a particular political view and therefore I, I can't identify with it. The reason uh, is because, in a sense, what I've just said, those two, those two political opinions about the unborn child and Israel, that, that for a set of church leaders, that's, those are the two most important things. I think the consequence of that is that there are millions of ordinary good Christians, and I would say in our own country and probably in our own church, millions of good Christian people who have, who daren't go against what they're told. Mm. Who would feel the Lord said through this person who I trust and who I respect. Mm. And, and perhaps they've never really taken on, looked into this commandment, mm. but they would just take it at face value. I've been told this by somebody who's wiser than me or knows the Bible better than me or is closer to God than me because in humility, the vast majority of us would say, well, I'm not that close to God. And so somebody says they know what God's, speaking, saying they're probably better than me. So the vast majority of people are simply believing what they've been told, mm -hmm. which puts a lot more weight on the people who are saying it. And that's why this command is so strong. Um, I think the media likes to use the phrase evangelical Christians. Uh, and that's probably why we've, we've stopped using it, um, because it's become corrupted. Um, it, what I think is, is worrying, and, and after the, when we talked about truth, I got picked up on this by folks, and, and uh, so I'll be careful what I say about this. What is worrying is that Elements of white supremacy, elements of white racism support Trumpism. Now, 
I'll just leave it at that. I would be worried if I was a Christian if I was in the same queue as people who wanted to discriminate on mm. colour. Mm. I would be really worried. Mm. And it's not really true to say that evangelicalism is white, but the media portrays it as that, and it's not really... It's made us out to look something that, that we're not. So that the answer to the question is why is because they've put the unborn child and the state of Israel, and they said because the Republican mm -hmm. Party is delivering the policies that we want primarily on those two issues, and I sadly, I think slightly also on, on health care and on gun control, which I cannot understand how Christians go along with that, those things have continued. What also is really, really clear is that there are many Christians and people who are frightened of, of Joe Biden and frightened of the Democratic Party. And they, they are so, they're really frightened. Now, I can't really understand how that's occurred other than through things that I don't think are true. Um, and I know that in the past, people have been frightened of parties that I've voted for. And I think that I've learned that I don't want to vote out of fear. And I think that when political campaigns stir up fear, and it's not about what I stand for, it's about we must stop them doing what they're going to do. I suspect all of that is very murky and untruth. And that's easy for me to say from afar. But I fear that a lot of people are just simply afraid, but what they're actually afraid of isn't there. And there's been a lot of manipulation. And I think Christian leaders have been manipulated. And I think Christian leaders have... Um, I think I used the word last time, bribed. In other words, saying, we'll give you these policies which you want. In return for that, you tell your people to vote for me. And it's a deal I wouldn't make. You're a church leader. You're a church leader of uh, quite a few hundred people. Do people look at you and take you at your every word? Do you feel a sense of responsibility to check what you say, to check the way that you say it, to make sure that you don't fall into some of these traps, that, that you give people freedom and choices? Is Absolutely. that something you've learned? Absolutely, and it scares me. And, and I, I, I'm certain, and I can look back on my life, where I've, I've, I've got close or broken. I've done things that, that were manipulative. It's, when you feel something strongly, I can see how you get into it mm. and you start to manipulate. Mm. Um, but I take very, very seriously that God says to me, do you know what? You said I thought this and I don't. Yeah. And I don't ever want to face God and him say, you misused my mm. name. You attributed to me that I supported mm. guns mm. <laughs> or that I support uh, people being charged for health care mm. or that I support abortion. Mm. And, and I, you know, whatever it is, I don't want 
to being facing God and him saying, you misused my name. You gave people the impression that I stood for this. Mm. And this is the problem that has occurred. And this is where it goes back to this commandment. That if we use the phrase evangelical Christianity, a lot of people think they know what that stands for. That's for guys with masks and guns storming Capitol Hill. They've become associated with it. And, and God has been brought into it. And I think God would say, you've misused my mm. name. Mm. And to be clear, it happens in other religion. It happens when there are atrocities, terrorist atrocities going on and people are calling out the name of God yep. or doing it in the name of It's yep. exactly the same thing of misusing God's name. It's saying, bringing God's character and saying, mm -hmm. this is what God thinks and is. Mm -hmm. And we've gone beyond scripture. We've gone beyond love your neighbor into make a cup of tea, give mm -hmm. me 10,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. Just going back to some of the things that you were talking about, the whole um, life debate. Uh, Steve Evans has a question for us, and this is a really sensitive area. Recognise that uh, it's not always, and I'll probably get many letters of complaints for saying this, it's not always as black and white as people think. Steve says this, evening both, regarding abortion. One of the commandments is thou shall not kill. When God has blessed people with a child, is abortion then going against God's blessing and commandment? Uh, there are I don't think abortion as a form of contraception is good for anyone yep I think it damages the mother yep uh, emotionally and physically mm -hmm. so as a form of contraception I don't think that's what God intends for humanity. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things, I'm very uncomfortable in singling that out as worse than other things. And yeah. that's the problem when you start to grade sins and when you start to make it a political priority, you're starting to grade things. We're all sinners. Yeah. There are medical reasons where the life of the mother is at risk Yep. that are much more complicated than a, as you say, a black and white answer. Mm -hmm. I've supported one or two families through those kind of decisions. Yep. And I don't think it's a place for me to judge mm -hmm. or, or label or decide. I do think that every child is embraced by God. Mm. And, and that's another thing for another time. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't think God says, you know, I don't think God punishing children or whatever. Yeah. I think, what I also think is the point at which life becomes life is, is complicated, whether it's after 30 seconds, 30 minutes, Mm. 30 hours, 30 days, 30 weeks. It's complicated. But I don't think abortion as a form of contraception is good for humanity. Mm -hmm. But I don't think blaming and prioritizing that as a sin 
is good for humanity either. I think a lot of people that don't use it as contraception but have to make that decision for the health of the mother or for a reason like that, they do not take that lightly. No, it's There's very painful. great anguish, great pain. It's something that is deliberated about, is prayed and talked through. It's not a whim. No. And it stays with them. Mm. You know, by the grace of God, you move on. But, but it's, oh, I don't think it's a choice that you would want anyone to have to mm. make in that situation. It's, it's horrendous. Mm. Um, so I hope that answers your, your, your question, Steve. Mm. Thank you ever so much. Let's get back to blasphemy. Let's get back to taking the Lord's name in vain. Blasphemy. Talk to me a little bit about that. It's very common to hear people saying, oh God, sorry mm. God. You know, it's, it's a common thing that we say, is that wrong? Should we not say that? There are derivatives of it. Where do we stand with that and swearing as a whole? So my own view is that it is... Language is, is helpful to us, that it is important at times to have words that express feelings. And some of that can be anger or pain. I think that whatever words we use as an exclamation, as a, 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 like a, a, a release of pressure, uh, um, those words should not de uh, be linked to something important because the use of that word is negative. Um, it, um, so I, uh, if I drop something on my phone, I knocked over the water. You this, did? This, this, the, earlier. And I said, shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, which I learned to say because I used to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I changed it to shoot. I, uh, the word that I used to use, which you can all probably guess, is in itself not a very pleasant substance, so it's not being particularly devalued, but it offended people. And I, understand, I don't want to offend people. So I will say shoot. But... Some people would say that your heart and the root cause, the root behind it is still the same emotion, even though you're yeah. using a different word. Yes, the, and I think what I'm saying is I think that's necessary, that there is a place to express mm -hmm. anger or, or, or shock yep. or pain. There's yep. a place to express it. Yep. I don't think that should ever be any of the names of, our, of God. So... Some people might say, oh, God. Mm. Some people might say, gar. You know, there's lots of little... Oh, gosh. Tricky variations. Yes, yes. Are they all... Are they, is it okay to say gosh instead of God? I don't want to get into judging. For me... Yeah. Uh, gosh is not God's name. No. It's not who God is. Yeah. And I suppose gosh is like my shoot. It's a way of... The brain uses gur. Yeah. And you're reapplying it in a way that's harmless. And I think that's reasonable. The problem with saying God or Jesus is that it implies that he's not precious or significant to us. 
And that's not what we want to communicate. And I think that must hurt. I don't think that's the primary meaning of this passage. Yeah. But I do think it's within it. Um, so I would encourage us to try to move away. But one of the things we've said before is that when we come to God, there is a list of things in our lives that need changing and sorting out. There's going to take a lifetime to sort <laughs> out. And it's quite possible that swearing is quite low down. Um, and it might be that God deals with our swearing some years after the church wished he dealt with our swearing. Because to something else, he's more concerned about our gossip or our greed or, 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 or whatever it is. In my own personal life, I have to say, that swearing is one of the first things God dealt with me because I did swear a lot. And maybe that's why I still use the word shoot. I did swear a lot. Um, God's agenda is different for all of us. And I am not going to throw stones or tell other people not to swear. And I, I don't personally think it's helpful to tell people, please don't blaspheme, please don't use... I just think it's... It's unnecessary in relationship, uh, personally. So if I'm in a place where people swear a lot, I, I don't say anything. Quite often they'll apologise, and that's fine if, they've, if that's their language. But I don't. I'd rather pick people up on being racist or untruthful or discriminatory than that, than on blasphemy. Personally, I think God can deal with that. They've done quite a few medical studies. And it's really interesting. They say that there's a correlation between using a certain swear word and it um, being really helpful for the, um, say you stub your toe or drop something yep. on it. If you use a certain word, yep. it's really helpful in, in releasing and in lowering your pain. Yep. Uh, and some people would say, obviously not me, but there's a real satisfaction in, in using some of the words in that kind of situation. And someone's texted in a message and they've said, do you think that swearing is as bad as using God's name in vain? So if there was a sliding scale up here, you've got God's name in vain, then you've got swearing, then you've got shoot. Where, where, where do you where? Well, I don't like scales. <laughs> I think we need to say to God, make me more holy. How can I be more like you? What, can I, what do I need to transform? And we work to his agenda and not Donald's agenda, not Cass's agenda. So I'm not keen on saying this is worse than that or that's worse than this. I really... Um, but in... Yeah, I've, I'm, you know, I've already hinted that I am extremely worried in our world about church leaders declaring what they think God's will is. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. I had a really interesting experience when I became a Christian. Uh, my language was appalling, and I worked for the government in the building research establishment, and I was probably the worst example of a Christian witness that you could have. And I went to, I was going to St. Andrew's Chorleywood Church at the time, and uh, this, this message was given, uh, and it included swearing. Uh, and there was, at the end of it, if you want to come and just have someone pray with you if this is an issue, just come to the front and somebody would love to pray with you. 
And I knew that I should go to the front. And I sat there, I can't, it'd be embarrassing. I don't want to admit to this. Of all the things to not want to admit to in my life, that was not the biggest. And I sat in my seat thinking, oh, I don't want to do this, but I need to. I, I got to speaking to me. And uh, my friend next to me said, I don't know, but I've just had this picture. I don't know if it's God, but I just had a picture of you sitting at your desk squaring. And that was the impetus that I needed to get off my backside. And I went and I sat down to this, in front of this woman and she goes, have you come up because of uh, what said or is there something else we can pray for? I said, I'm really struggling with my swearing. I'm really struggling to be a witness. And she's like, that's fine. Would you be happy for me to, to pray with you? Just to pray that, that God would help you. And it was just really gentle, but really significant. But it was God's timing. It was God was the one who brought it up at the right time put me in the right place, put me with someone that wasn't like, oh, my life, Kathy, you're such a disaster to the Christian race. What on earth do you think you're doing? Just prayed with me, and that started me on a process and a journey of God by his Holy Spirit in me, helping to change me, helping to change my language, giving me self-discipline when I needed that. Now, I can't sit here and say that I've never sworn since. I can't sit here and say that I, at times, don't swear, because I do. I'm not a great Christian. I try not to a work in progress but but it wasn't because somebody said Kath you have to do this it was a gentle act mm. from a gentle God who can also be quite when something's completely out of order but not with us that, that just mm. gently is Kath this is something we need to work on and we can do it together mm. and so he doesn't come in with a ton of bricks doesn't come in and make me feel Kath you're the worst person in the world but made me feel loved and valued you care about me you care about changing me and me being the best version of myself and being a blessing to those around me rather than being a really rubbish witness. Mm. So if people are struggling with swearing and this whole thing, it is not the end of the world. God isn't going to be really angry and punish them and strike them down. But, but there is hope. Mm. I think it's like all sin, you know, we, when God says this is the thing to deal with in your life, then we we deal with it. Yeah. I think the one thing about swearing is the world thinks it's what Christians shouldn't do. Yeah. So it, it is harder to say I'm a Christian and then continue to swear because yeah. people will judge us on that, yeah. rightly or wrongly. So we've covered a lot of things this evening. What are your bullet point takeaways for us as we've explored this third I think my bullet points are we shouldn't Use God to uh, give our opinion weight. Yeah. That's misusing his name. If we think God is speaking, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit in people's lives will convict them of that and we don't need to say it. Yeah. I think when it comes to voting, there are pros and cons of all political parties. There are different issues that we need to weigh up and we need to be mindful of the care for the poor and the vulnerable and we need to be mindful of the character and integrity of the leader and that those two things are important in helping us decide who to vote for. But we must make that decision between us and God and not at the coercion of somebody else. Not out of fear and not out of manipulation. That 
I think that's probably, yeah, is that a kind of summary? I think that's where I'm at, that, that uh, I don't think it's right to say God says vote for this party. I'd throw in there, just as my last little hobby horse that I'm always on, pray for them. Yeah. Pray for our leaders. You know, I've spent hours watching footage and reading about what happened in America last Wednesday. And I am convicted and challenged all the time to think, have I spent that much time in prayer? Mm. You know, I want to find out what's gone on. There's just this need within me to know what's going mm. on in the world. But do mm. I spend as much time praying as I do looking at, well, he said this and she said that, and this is what they're going to do? Pray. They need our prayers. I think we really need to pray for America. I think it's an yeah. incredibly serious situation. Yeah. I think that what I would say, <laughs> just straying into other areas, democracy is a safeguard, mm-hmm. but it is completely dependent on truth. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you need... Uh, some way of attesting truth. Mm-hmm. And so in the UK, if you do an advert that's deemed untrue, the, the Advertising Standards Agency will say that's not true. Yeah. If any of our uh, uh, national TV stations say something that is not true, the um, broadcasting watchdog or whatever it is, will say that's not true. Yeah. If you say something that's not true about somebody, uh, we have libel laws. So at the end of the day, you, you defend truth by saying there is a court that makes a decision that that was or wasn't true. Mm-hmm. If, and therefore free speech always, always has to submit to truth-telling which always submits to the independence of a judiciary. Mm-hmm. If your judiciary has decided that something is true or untrue, we have to go with that. Mm. And we can't continue to believe things that are coming from unregulated and unattributed sources. So there are places in the UK media that you can trust because there are watchdogs that look after them. And there are places in the internet world that nobody regulates. Mm-hmm. Say what you want. Say what you want. Yep. My plea is listen to the people who are regulated, Mm -hmm. who are not funded by advertising and mysterious groups, but have to submit to laws of libel and laws of misleading Mm -hmm. and laws of impartiality. Mm -hmm. We are privileged in the UK to have that application to our main media outlets. Mm. Please don't listen to unsubstantiated rumours that mm. have gone to court and not won. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you guys ever so much for joining with us again. But for now, we'll say thank you ever so much. Have a good rest of your week and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Cheerio.